Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a Christian psychotherapist specializing in trauma therapy, couples, relationships, and personal development. She is passionate about your life and is here to encourage, teach, and inspire you to be your own best version. Find her online at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T.com. Now, with today's fresh insights, Cynthia Hyatt. Well, thank you for joining me today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia on 1360 KPXQ Faith Talk Radio. Thank you so much for joining me today. And make sure if you're a first-time listener that you remember that there is the, on the website all the shows. So if you can't listen to the show in its entirety, you can always go to the website. At the top of the, the homepage, there's a little radio button, just the word radio. Click on that, and it'll take you to all these different shows. So I'm very glad that you're joining me today, and we are doing this entire week on dating in the 21st century. Oh, my goodness. It is much different, and it actually continues to kind of morph with all the online and the different apps that there, that there are. And I have to tell you, I am probably not going to be educating you on good dating apps and dating websites. I really want to educate you on how to show up in any of these platforms that you want to use in a way that you discern and decipher who might be someone that you want to actually go on a date with or be with and how to do that well and how to know when to get out of that relationship when you know that this is not going where I'm wanting it to go or what I'm needing and how to know what what are maybe some green lights and that has everything to do with what we talked about earlier this week and that's knowing who you are what you expect, how you relate, what your relationship style is, and what is healthy for you, and having appropriate expectations, which is what we're talking about today. And so we talked yesterday, we ended yesterday's show with this analogy of, you know, if a relationship doesn't have appropriate expectations, it's like a house with no walls. And if you don't have any walls, you just have a platform, right? A foundation of some sort and you have no walls, then you can't put a roof on. And if you have no roof, you have no shelter. And when people want intimacy and deep intimacy, there has to be a lot of covering, a lot of shelter. You know, imagine if, you know, your house was made of glass and you were taking a shower, right? We want to have covering. We want to have intimacy. So relationships, if they're done well, They become this beautiful structure that you live in. So structure, dependability, and expectations are paramount for any healthy relationship. You can't have a healthy relationship without those things. Now, the issue is assessing what is appropriate structure versus control, what is appropriate dependability versus being dependent, And what are healthy expectations, appropriate expectations, versus unrealistic expectations? So think about this. When we really have good structure, dependability, appropriate expectations, and we put forth effort, we're going to get pretty solid commitment. And when we add humility to that mix, we're going to have a pretty special relationship. 
And then we work on having good inter and interpersonal, intrapersonal skills. And that means that my interpersonal skills are with you. My intrapersonal skills are how I relate with me. And when we add maturity, that's like salt. It just makes everything better. So obviously, we are all working on these traits. And they're not going to be completed until the return of Christ or when we pass away. However, if they are genuinely pursued on a regular basis with an understanding and supportive partner, as well as you being committed to you and being understanding and supportive of yourself, right? The chance for a very healthy and meaningful relationship is probable. It really is. See, we always want to look at God as our template for relationship. How does God relate? And we all have the famous love chapter. Wow. Who are we to be able to live up to that, right? But they're really good goals. And they're very good reference points to be constantly working on those virtues. So it may seem a little insurmountable. But if me and my husband, me and my friends, if I'm doing this with my my clients, then what happens is everything gets better. But if I'm expecting this from my husband on a consistent basis that he does the love chapter, I'm going to be very let down. And if he expects it from me, he's going to be even more let down because he's probably better at it than I am. (laughs) So what you want to think about is if he realizes, if my husband realizes that that is my intent and that I'm using the love chapter as a standard and I apologize, I take responsibility for missing the mark, And I actually get better, right? So it isn't just me continuously asking for apologies. It's that I'm getting better. I'm working at it. That he feels it more. Then, you know, we do pretty good. So if we were to make the complex simple, then I would say to you, the things that you should expect from a very intimate relationship, such as best friends, lovers, partners, etc., would include, but are not limited to the following list that I'm going to present to you. This is doable. These are healthy expectations, okay? So I first want to be able to depend on the fact that the person I'm close to was, has the ability to keep a confidence, that they're not talking to other people about me in a way that would disparage me, that would humiliate me, that would put me in a really negative light, right? They wouldn't be, you know, talking about or gossiping about my weaknesses. And so they'd be able to keep a confidence. So also that they're committed to not judging the person, which would be me, and I need to be committed to not judging others. I really leave that process with God. I trust God to do the judging. That does not mean I don't judge behaviors, okay? It means that I don't judge who they are as a person. That really is God's domain. So when I judge behaviors, I'm simply saying that's not going to work in our relationship. If you continue to do that behavior, I'm going to have so many bad feelings that we're probably not going to be able to have intimacy. So that behavior has to go. Or that behavior needs to be worked on so that it eventually leaves the relationship. And there needs to be an agreement for that. So 
Number number three, decency and politeness. These are appropriate expectations to have in a relationship. And I have to tell you, we are not acting like noble human beings a lot of times. And some of the most noble ways we can act is with decency and politeness. We used to be far more polite with people. We used to be more decent. Now, I do have to tell you, I am seeing some of this come back because I think we're so tired of how hateful and how angry and how nasty people allow themselves to be, where they used to kind of hold that in, and it was considered indecent uh, to be rude and to be speak in an angry manner, especially when you don't know the person, or to do it in public. So I do see some of this coming back, some of this increased decency and politeness, because this indicates respect. When I just act like an immature person and have whatever feeling I want to have whenever I want to have it and expect people to just accept it and get over it, it's very disrespectful. We don't think about children being disrespectful when they are having big feelings because we know they are, at least we are assuming, they're learning to contain them and to control them. So we also give this pass oftentimes to teenagers because they're in a very volatile state in their body. They're learning all kinds of things, and it's very difficult many times to constrain it. So an appropriate expectation of an adult is that they have control of themselves. They have mastery of themselves, and they are able to contain words and feelings and looks and gestures that they're able to harness themselves. So we, we expect this from children and teenagers as we teach them. But we give a little bit more consideration to them because of their age. So we don't want little children in big bodies. This is paramount for your intimate relationships. I practice decency and politeness with my husband all the time. I do with my clients. I do with my family. I do with my friends. This is how I show them respect. And this is how I make it safe enough for them to be intimate with me and share confidences and not always be on their game and be able to be transparent and to be open. When I treat them decently and politely, they feel safer with me. I have to have appropriate expectations on myself. So what do I expect of myself? And this might mean that I really have to look at the fact that maybe I'm trying to do both sides of the relationship. Maybe I'm doing everything in the relationship. Is that an appropriate expectation of myself? No. Am I expecting myself to be perfect all the time? Am I expecting myself to be a perfect Christian all the time? These are not appropriate expectations. Am I expecting myself to be the best I can be? And if I'm not, then I take responsibility for it. That's an appropriate expectation. Am I expecting myself to be decent and polite? That's an appropriate expectation. Am I expecting myself to practice self-control? That would be an appropriate expectation. Although I may not always do it, that's always my frame of reference. That's always the target point that I want to go back to, that I, am, that, that I am really gauging myself on. How far away from that target am I today? How do I get myself closer to that target? So I have to have those appropriate expectations on myself. Am I growing up? Am I maturing? Am I knowing how to use my voice 
to ask for what I need, to express a contradiction, to confront someone. And if I am practicing confronting, am I doing this appropriately? Am I expressing my feelings appropriately? If I have appropriate expectations on myself, then I'm not expecting somebody else to read my mind or to always pick up on my subtle cues. I'm able to say what I need, and I'm able to ask for what I need. And I am also able to discern if my need is appropriate, if it's appropriate to ask for that need. Let's look at number five. Having appropriate expectations means I expect to have hard times. I expect to have confusing times, times of doubt, I expect to not depend on this person for my peace, for my joy, for my spirituality, for all my security, for all my happiness. So that's an appropriate expectation is that they are not going to meet all of those things on an ongoing basis. If I am having a parallel relationship versus a one up or when I say a one down. A one down relationship is like children or people that you're taking care of. A one up is somebody that's in authority over you or that you work for or think God is a one up relationship. But those parallel relationships, those are the people that are, are my spouse, my friends, right? My confidants. These, these are mutually um, beneficial relationships. And they have what we would call that the needs go back and forth versus in a one-up position, I'm meeting all the needs of the one-down. In a one-down position, I'm expecting the one-up to meet my needs. So when we have that parallel position, then we can certainly depend on people to a certain degree for peace, for security, for um, happiness. But if, if they're our only source... That's an inappropriate expectation. So I don't expect that person to meet all those needs all the time. I don't expect that person to be God to me or a God to me. I don't expect that person to meet all those needs, to fix every problem I have, to be perfect all the time, to always know what to say, to know when not to say something, right? So it's having those appropriate expectations. And so it's, it's a very appropriate expectation to expect attempts at honesty. When I say attempts at honesty, there is not a human on the planet that is 100% honest. And that is because we don't know ourselves completely, so we can't be completely honest. Many times people say, well, I'm just honest, when maybe they're saying, I don't want to be careful with what I say. That's not, that's not the type of honesty that we're talking about. I want you to ask yourself, are you completely honest with yourself and with God, with others? Probably not. So this doesn't mean that we should accept blatant and malicious talk. That They're just allowed to blurt out whatever they want to say. That's what children do. Children and, t children and teenagers have a hard time containing what they're thinking and what they're feeling. And so when little children do it, it's embarrassing, but it's not as hurtful. When an adult just gives you the unfiltered version and they say that's being honest, 
that's actually just being hurtful. So we want to also then understand that when people aren't honest, that our appropriate expectation is that they are working on and attempting healthy honesty. But it's hard. It's hard to be honest, especially if you're having to disclose something, if you're having to confess something, if you're having to confront something. If you're a decent person, decent people don't want to hurt people. So we want to be appropriate with honesty and have appropriate expectations of honesty. So let's look about Let's look at some of this when it comes to expectations. Why are some couples happier than others? Let's think about what, what is their quote-unquote secret for that great relationship. Some of that is the expectations we just got done talking about. But we're going to talk about more. So with certain couples, it's clear that there's something about the way they interact that makes it obvious they have some unique and genuine connection. So even if you're in a good relationship, you can't help but wonder, why do they know, what do they know that I don't know? And if you're single, you might be looking at those couples and the attributes and think it's all about chemistry and destiny. It turns out, though, that people in quote-unquote great relationships live by a few basic rules. And they make these rules a priority in their day-to-day lives. So I want you to consider some habits that help you get that strong, nurturing relationship. And so this is part of, if you're single, the more you put these in place, you will begin to attract similar people. Because I want you to understand, like people like people. All right? So you may say, I don't like those kinds of people, but you continue to be with those types then you have to say to yourself, maybe I'm like them more than I thought. Because like people attract people that are like them. And we like people that we're like. So I want you to think about, here's some really helpful, strong and nurturing habits for that type of relationship. So happy relationships, like we said, are based on realistic expectations. And we talked this entire first part of the show on realistic expectations. Happy happy relationships take work and thoughtfulness every day. They need to be tended to. I had one gentleman who would get this concept about tending to his wife, nurturing his wife, but he didn't do it. So what I said to him was, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go and I want you to buy a little teeny potted plant. Like, you know, the little two leaves of a philodendron. Just teeny tiny plant, not a cactus, not allowed to do a cactus. You have to buy a little teeny plant in a little teeny pot. And I want you to take care of it. I want you to practice watering it every day. Now, this was in an attempt to create these nurturing behaviors of being cognizant of this thing that needed something. So this plant cannot survive if he doesn't water it. Guess what happened? that plant died. But it was a turning point for him because he did not want his marriage to die. And he got it. He got that visual of that little plant wilting. And he looked at the wilting plant. He thought, okay, I'll do it when I come home from work. I'll water that plant when I come home from work. And then he forgot. He didn't do it. And little by little by little, that plant ended up dead. 
And it was very helpful for this gentleman. Now, I do this with women as well because women aren't always great at nurturing relationships either. We have a tendency to, to really give men a bad rap. And so the nurturing of a relationship, though, has to do with gender-appropriate behaviors. So what would nurture a man versus what would nurture a woman are different. And then when we dial it down even more, what would nurture a man with a particular temperament versus a woman with a particular temperament is also different. And we dial it down a little bit more, and we look at the uniqueness of the person. The bottom line is the work and thoughtfulness of nurturing a relationship every day has to do with how well you know that person. What does that person like? What does that person need? What works for that person? What's the stuff that, that, that makes them light up? So there isn't a generic thing that we can do for humans. There are some basics, obviously. But even the getting to know that person, to even know what nurtures them, is part of loving them. And that makes for happy relationships. What's another one? Happy relationships need communication know-how. And this is really important because when we say that we have a communication problem, it rarely means actually communication because, you know, I rarely get couples that don't speak the same language. I get couples that come into my office that all speak English. I speak English, they speak English. If not, we could not communicate. So it really isn't, quote-unquote, communication it's more how I use my words, what words I use. If I'm willing to speak words, if I've thought through what I need to say, and if I'm willing to express what's going on inside of me, what's in my heart, what's in my mind, am I willing to talk about these things? Whether they are just little anecdotes from the day or something very hurtful that happened to you during the day, the meaning of, of living out a dream, how your partner treated you, what they said to you. Are you willing to put those into words? So happy relationships need communication. And happy relationships turn negatives into positives all the time. Because the idea of having a positive experience with a person has everything to do with how well you deal with the negatives. What do you do with the negatives in your relationship? If you can't turn a negative into some kind of a positive, that's a different problem. And that usually means an unwillingness on either partner and their effort to make something positive. Because the positive might just be, thank you for telling me that negative and I'm going to work on it. That's positive. So I want you to think about these appropriate expectations. as When you are considering dating, when you are considering staying in a relationship, leaving a relationship, and whether or not there are elements in the relationship that actually might be able to be turned around. And are your expectations appropriate from the first date to the 10th year of marriage or 10th year of commitment? What are appropriate expectations? So thank you for joining me today. We're going to talk more about these expectations, and we've got a lot of things. Expectations for mates, for lovers, and what are some of those expectations you may have for your partner? And really whether or not they're helpful. And we're going to talk more about dating 
in the 21st century. So I look forward to talking to you tomorrow. Have a great rest of your day. Thanks, Jeremy, so much for all your help. To hear today's program again or to share it with someone else, please go online, CynthiaHyatt.com. That's C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T dot com. Conversations with Cynthia is heard daily at 3 p.m. and 12 noon every Sunday on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ. Follow Cynthia on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn at Cynthia Hyatt. Until next time, remember, be your own best version. Yeah.